Welcome everybody, my name is Mikal Nasrani, and this is Islam for Christians. Episode 4, Commentary on the Message. I want to use the next several episodes to watch and comment on some films that should give you, you, the listener, a broader context with which to think about Islam. If you made it through my very short history in the previous podcast, congratulations. I hope it wasn't too broad or too boring. But one thing it wasn't was a narrative, and it certainly did not include visual aids. In that spirit, I want to present a few movie that I, movies that I think will be helpful to you. These films are far from perfect from my point of view, thus the commentary, but it's not just going to be criticism. I'll expand where I wish they had expanded and chime in with things that might be relevant to the type of person who might be listening. Remember when you took an entire class or two or three just to watch a movie? Well, this is my version of it. I'll be providing some commentary you can sync up with the movie. These are films that should be widely available, so finding them should not take any special effort. Um, the films I'll be focusing on are the following. Number one, The Message. It's a 1976 film centered on the life of Muhammad and his message, thus the title. It's available to rent on Amazon, four bucks last time I checked, but it should be pretty much all over the place. Number two, Islam, Empire of Faith. This is a PBS documentary. Last I checked, it was on YouTube, so you don't need to pay for it. I'm sure it's in several other places as well, if you choose. Number three, The Messiah, 2007. This should not be confused with the short-lived Netflix series. The Messiah is a movie out of Iran that tells the story of Jesus from an Islamic perspective. Type The Messiah 2007 full movie into YouTube or anything similar, and it should be easy to find. Look for a movie that's about an hour 22. It's obviously not in English, but there are subtitles. Start with movie commentary on The Message. So pause this, get the movie ready, and pause it as soon as you possibly can. You should see three horsemen in the desert. Uh, that's about the first second of the movie. I will try to give you a sync check every 10 minutes. So to start with, go ahead and hit play now. Welcome to the message commentary, part one. Right now, you should see three horses running through the desert.
This is the story where Muhammad sends letters to the leaders of the world. The historic accuracy of this is disputed, but it makes for a good scene. These are the Byzantine and Sasanian rulers, and the filmmakers probably chose this because the Islamic Empire will soon tear through their kingdoms like tissue paper. This disclaimer is kind of weird. Um, it's approved by two bodies, although the second one might be completely made up. Uh, the clear intent is to show that Sunnis and Shias can share this. And here's where they tell you they will not be showing Muhammad for religious reasons. What they leave out is they won't be showing much of anyone else either, at least uh, the major players in Islam. Not Abu Bakr or Ali or Umar. And if memory serves, none of Muhammad's wives or children are shown either.
Here's Abu Sufyan, your villain, overseeing the financial interests of Mecca. If you ever need to look that up, it's A-B-U, new word, S-U-F-Y-A-N. Abu is a prefix you will hear a lot. It just means son of. This is to demonstrate the importance of the poets in Mecca. They were the spin doctors of this culture. Ten minutes, you should see a weird guy being carried to the Gaba.
That guy in the white beard is Abu Talib, Muhammad's uncle and protector. The younger guy you will soon see is Zaid, Muhammad's adopted son. What you're hearing is the first ever revelation. It can be found in the Quran, Surah 96, verses 1 to 5.
One can imagine the same meeting between the Pharisees regarding Jesus. Jesus and Muhammad presented similar threats to the powers that be. You can see the confusion on Abu Sufyan's face. Spirituality will never be his strong suit. This actor in white is how I always pictured Muhammad based on his physical description. Twenty minutes, Zaid starts talking in the secret meeting place.
That was the first half of Sura 81. See, they're meeting in secret, kind of like the house churches of early Christianity. No one is being killed for being a Muslim at this point, but that will change. Mecca was a place of extreme inequality. By his city standards, Muhammad was just as subversive as Jesus with his ideas about charity, egalitarianism, and women. Female infanticide was a co was common thing in Arabia at this time. This woman was an ideal candidate for conversion, and I think the filmmakers were trying to make an archetype of an early convert.
You have to love Abu Sufyan's cold cynicism. In our time, he'd be a politician or a hedge fund manager. This slave is Bilal, one of the best characters of early Islam. I would have cast him much bigger, but this coming scene certainly demonstrates his strength of character. Thirty minutes, Bilal just dropped the whip. This is a famous scene in Islam, Bilal proclaiming one God with a stone on his chest.
what you're hearing is the Shahada, the Muslim profession of faith. It sounds a lot better in Arabic. That was Surah 109. You heard earlier the chance of God is great, which is Allahu Akbar in Arabic. Uh, this is actually a poor translation in English. Uh, God is greater would be far more accurate. The ER suffix is what gives the phrase its power and majesty and a much, much deeper meaning. Uh, this is Hamza. Hamza was the strongest and greatest warrior in the Quraysh tribe. His addition really added muscle to the Muslim ranks.
40 minutes. You should have just seen some poor guy being whipped in the face. That woman is Sumaya bint Kabat, the first martyr of Islam.
This is the first hijra or pilgrimage of Muslims. It should be noted for history that even as Muslim armies poured across the Middle East and Africa, they never touched Abyssinia, which is now called Ethiopia. Abyssinia wasn't actually all that far away, but it was across the Red Sea and then through some very rough terrain. The group was only 15 people, so this is a very, very accurate depiction. These people chasing them are Meccans, in case that's not clear.
Abyssinia was not just a friend of Mecca, it was a key trading partner. That's why the Meccans think they might have some leverage here to get the Muslims back. Fifty minutes. We're about to cut to the king's throne room. There we go.
Notice there are no women taking part in this discussion. The odds a pagan for Mecca would be this deep into Christian theology is quite doubtful, but it sets up a good scene. This is from Sora 19 called Miriam or Mary.
this would become a legendary line for Christian-Muslim relations from that point on, at least when things were going well. When reading Islamic history, this is usually referred to as the boycott. Sixty minutes, you should see tents in the desert. It's hard to reconcile Abu Talib's love for his nephew and also his refusal to become a Muslim. Uh, for not Muslims and non-Muslims alike, I think this is a bit confusing.
Just to nitpick a bit, they would not have called the city Medina at this point. They would have called it Yathrib, or if he had invented the phrase on the spot, city of the prophet, Medinat al-Nabi. He would not be the first in this room to convert to Islam for purely political reasons. This is kind of like the killing of Caesar by all of the Roman senators, but uh, odds are Arabians never really actually knew about that.
You notice they can't show Ali either. That's who was supposed to be in that bed. Um, Ali is Muhammad's... He's only Muhammad's cousin at this point. In a few years, he will also be Muhammad's son-in-law. Seventy minutes, a bunch of Meccans just rode off after Muhammad. I always imagine the spider web as a giant one covering the entire entrance. This is supposed to be a miracle. The way it's presented in the film, Muhammad could have just ducked under the spider web, which is hardly a reason not to investigate. But I'll take it easy on the filmmakers here.
did this remind anyone else of Palm Sunday? Remember, Abu Bakr is with Muhammad here. Uh, you will not be seeing him either. So Muhammad's house would also become the main mosque in Medina. So this was pretty much the end of any private life for Muhammad.
80 minutes. Bunch of people laying mud bricks. They're speaking of uh, Umar. Yes, that is the same Umar who will be the second caliph and later called the commander of the faithful. You won't be seeing him either. It's a better translation of Allahu Akbar there.
Many Muslims were poor and lowborn, but many were not. Muslims like Abu Bakr lost a fortune for their new religion, completely starting over with almost nothing. And Abu Sufyan said he is planning a caravan to Damascus, which is north of Mecca, and impossible to reach without going near Medina. Ninety minutes. See people working a field.
This is when the revelations from Muhammad begin to change pretty dramatically. Uh, this is the end of the Meccan surahs, which are more spiritual and poetic and apocalyptic. This is the beginning of the Medinan surahs, which concern themselves with far more mundane things, as would befit a prophet who just became the head of state. Major political decisions such as this one would come via revelation. Much of these are at the beginning of the Quran, which is why I recommend, again, reading it backwards. Or better yet, just listen to it. This would be known as the Battle of Badr, and it was the battle that gave the Muslims political and military legitimacy, and religious legitimacy to many. Um, keep in mind, these are very small, small numbers for a battle. There were about 300 Muslims and 1,000 Meccans. This is the year 624, by the way, two years after Muhammad came to Medina. It wasn't an instant call to battle right after Muhammad got to Medina.
Say what you will about Abu Sufyan, but uh, the man assessed risk almost like a modern actuary. He was quite brilliant. It's a pretty safe bet the Muslims weren't doing anything like this before the battle. One hour 40, you see that creepy guy in the jerry curls sheathing his sword.
See, Ali's sword made the movie, but not Ali. Sending out champions was actually a very common practice in Arabia before these battles. That was his father that just died, in case you weren't following that. That wounded Muslim would later die, making him the first Muslim to fall in, batter, fall in battle. His name was Ubeda ibn al-Harith.
One hour fifty. So cavalry charging a phalanx. The Muslims certainly treated prisoners well by the standards of the time, although there are conflicting accounts about um, two prisoners. Some sources say they died in battle, while others say Ali executed them.
There's the uh, ritual washing that is obligatory before prayer. Two hours, a guy with a spear just ran into the room.
This is all true, by the way. That woman wanted Hamza dead and really did, in real life, put a bounty on him. This is the Battle of Uhud, 625.
Hamza was supposedly standing in front of Muhammad when he was killed in this battle, but uh, the filmmakers probably thought that would be too difficult to film when you can't show Muhammad.
two hours ten. You just saw a pointy-headed guy leading a cavalry charge. Remember those morons who abandoned their positions? Uh, this is a prototypical Old Testament story. The Muslims disobeyed God and his prophet, and then they lost the battle. There's Abu Sufyan talking sense again. Thank <laughs> you. 
in real life, she took out his liver and chewed on it. They won't be showing that. Jumping forward to the year 628, they're skipping over the Battle of the Trench and the Siege of Medina. The Meccans had attempted to take Medina, but were beaten back by clever fortifications, thus the name Battle of the Trench. The Muslims executed the men of an entire Jewish tribe after that battle, accusing them of treason. It's complicated and subject to various interpretations, but it's not something Muslims would want to highlight and then explain. If you want to know more about the controversy, just search Banu Kureza, B-A-N-U, new word, Q-U-R-A-Y-Z-A.
During the annual pilgrimage, violence was not permitted within 20 miles of the Kaaba. This is all taking place just outside of Mecca. History does not record the logic of the Meccans in not slaughtering the Muslims here when they had the chance, at least that I've noticed, but it would have been blasphemous to kill anyone attempting the pilgrimage. Remember also that Abu Sufyan's primary objection to the Muslims is financial, not religious, and slaughtering pilgrims could have been a catastrophic for the annual pilgrimage that brought so much money to Mecca. For example, imagine an island dependent on tourism slaughtering unarmed tourists. It's not a good look. Two hours twenty, the man on the horse staring down Bilal.
this would be known as the Treaty of Hudaybiyah.
two hours 30. You should be seeing a sunset.
Abu Sufyan isn't lying, actually. Uh, it was a rogue tribe aligned with him attacking another tribe aligned with Muhammad. It would be like during the Cold War when Egypt attacked Israel. Both are aligned with one side, but it had nothing to do with the United States or the Soviet Union. This was a proxy war turned into a general war that the U.S. and Soviets always feared. In this case, the Muslims were the United States. They continued to grow stronger, while the Meccans, the Soviets, grew weaker. The breaking of the truce is controversial, and a good argument could be made for either side. But the Muslims have a trump card. God said to do it. And you can't argue with what comes next. It was definitely a positive thing for pretty much everyone involved, the treasury of Mecca included.
Two hours 40, Abu Sufyan is about to become a Muslim. This would be a great move for Abu Sufyan's family. His son would later become the first monarch of the Umayyad dynasty. The Arab tribes flocking to Muhammad's banner is what actually made the Muslims an instant force after this point. Once the Arab tribes were under single rule, it was easy to strike out at neighboring empires.
This is an awkward shot of <laughs> Muhammad here. Uh, by modern standards, this just looks terrible. But this is about 30 years before GoPro cameras, so be merciful. Uh, we're about to see a Jesus in the temple type of moment here. Remember, Muslim legend is that Abraham and Ishmael built the Kaaba. The Jews and Arabs are both Semitic peoples. The Jews are associated with Isaac and the Arabs with Ishmael. Two hours fifty.
two hours, 54 roll credits. This wasn't a bad effort from the filmmakers who were trying to make a 10 commandment style epic. It's just so hard to tell a story when you can't show a dozen of the most important characters. Uh, it's just a natural handicap of Muslim piety. They can't use the medium of our times to tell their most important stories, which is a shame because there are a ton of great stories in Islamic history. I think it would have been better without that awkward rigging too. the, that music you hear every time they go to the Muhammad camp to show his point of view. It almost sounds like they're trying to create an audio halo and the effect is just terrible. The acting is corny at times, but this is about 50 years old. Uh, people had different expectations back then, or at least I think they did. I'll admit I didn't exist when this movie was made. Um, this movie is very, very ripe for a remake, by the way. I'd love to see it. So now they're showing modern Islam, if you're still watching, uh, demonstrating the continuity following Muhammad. Muslims still surround the Kaaba five times a day, forming concentric circles around the Kaaba that span the globe. Um, I hope this movie was helpful for some structure in Islamic history, uh, but that's just the beginning. But for this episode, it's the end. Thank you, and I will talk to you next time. Inshallah. Thank you for listening to Islam for Christians. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to keep this show ad-free, you can also visit my Patreon page and subscribe. I'm at patreon.com slash Islam for Christians. That's patreon.com slash Islam for Christians.